Coming in from the sounds of Manchester Orchestra, that song is called Deer, D-E-E-R, and their own ironic twist, and obviously it's uh, a term of endearment um, as the lyrics progress. I've been falling in love with their music deeper and deeper this week as I've made the circuit uh, walking after work. Um, my most prominent route is, you know, 1.3 or 5 miles, something of that nature. So I've uh, gotten a chance to listen to a lot of things from beginning to end by just putting them on. And some of you out there probably listen to other kind of content. Maybe you put on your YouTube videos, motivational things, books, uh, maybe a podcast, something like... Michael L. Craver presents. I am quite frankly available on the Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, Audible. That's right. You can go looking for an audiobook. Play my podcast. Go to iHeartRadio. Try to listen to some of your favorite tunes. Lo and behold, you can just listen to me instead. You do what you want to do, but <laughs> I've had a big time this week. I, I took and cleared my phone out after my relationship and um, decided to redo uh, pictures, music, the works. And so I put back a lot of things from yesteryear, and that means things I grew up with. Uh, Harry Chapin, James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel, Seals and Crofts. Uh, went back and made sure I had things like Rod Stewart, which are, are more of my mom's favorites than, than my dad's. And I just quite frankly enjoy a lot of the things that I grew up on that I've discovered from my cousins or from finally having control of the radio knobs. So Oasis, Guns N' Roses, and you know, I got to be a teenager and grew up. And of course, Hot Topic was big about the time I got through uh, middle school and high school. So we all, you know, saw the shirts for Led Zeppelin and Iron Maiden and Metallica and so forth. So there's some of those things uh, on the phone. Love, love Iron Maiden when I'm out and I've got some blacktop in front of me um, running to the guitar solos to the, just the anthems. Uh, almost war cries in many of the Iron Maiden songs. Um, I really, really love uh, The Sign of the Cross, The Fear of the Dark, No More Lies. A lot of the little riffs in the guitar songs um, of Iron Maiden get me like uh, Infinite Dreams, Coming Home, and... Um, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's really it's it's just it's just nice. It's just nice. Um, when I was in more of a relationship status, I, I would pack up my bags at five p.m. and and take off and and drive. And you know, I got a little bit of music to the destination and and fro on the way back. 
but not not during dinner or things of that nature. That was always sort of dominated by her choices as far as the airwaves go. Not as much as a, a give-and-take situation as you might have thought I would have been able to negotiate, right? But, and, nonetheless, um, sometimes it's um, a learning ex- experience is what I call it at work. <laughs> <laughs> this this year is definitely a learning experience, uh, but no, I, I I took the lessons of my youth, the music of my youth. I thought about Father's Day as I started to make my notes for this episode, and I had just watched. Uh, I picked a movie out based on the time. I needed a movie that was less than ninety minutes, an hour and twenty four minutes. The Warrant with Casper Van Dien, with Neil McDonough. Great movie, Western. Neil McDonough is in is in uh, so many things. He's in The Hitcher from like 2007, if you've watched uh, with, uh, I guess it's Sean Beam. And then he's in Walking Tall with The Rock. He's in Yellowstone with uh, Kevin Costner. He's one of my favorite guys that's kind of off to the side. He's with Kevin Costner in The Guardian, uh, one of my very favorite movies. And... Uh, so the warrant just reminded me so much of like I've never seen Yellowstone, but my dad talks about it as if it's this you know epic adventure that he's seen. The new Yellowstone he talks to me about how the guys at work they like water cooler. Like when people in the '90s used to come back to to work and talk about Cheers and talk about The Office and talk about oh not The Office about Seinfeld and that in the the next decade, they would talk about The Office and Frasier and so forth. Now, uh, there's some just very, I don't know if you would call them cheesy, but they're very gritty lines. I had written down one. So he said, ain't nothing gentle about mercy. And then he, you know, knocks a guy out. <laughs> That's not showing my mercy. You're under arrest. The court will decide your fate. Mercy? I spared you once because of pity. Mercy. <laughs> Ain't nothing gentle about mercy. He chose not to shoot the guy, punched him out and said, <laughs> Ain't nothing gentle about, about mercy. Um, I do, in fact, have Yellowstone. Uh, I think two or three seasons on my external hard drive. Have not begun to watch them. I watched The Office uh, because my dad and my brother got to talking about The Office, and I respect so many of their opinions. Um, uh, congratulations uh, are, are in order to my younger, better-looking uh, half of biology. He was part of a big sale in the last fortnight. His company that he helped start. That was, was I'm very proud of that young man. Um, I also, as I'd gotten into the music of this week and just sort of the the lessons from yesteryear, was thinking about how much gratitude is in those songs. You know, my dad was a huge fan of of Harry Chapin, of Roberto Clemente, his favorite baseball player. These were all guys um, who had causes outside of their, uh, in, m- just as big as 
to them anyway, as whatever they were known for. And Harry Chapin played about half of his concerts um, for, as benefits for fighting world hunger. It's, you know, it's very, very admirable. Died in a car crash in, in 1980. Never made it to my age. Roberto Clemente made it to 38. Never made it to my age. I didn't realize when I was doing my notes for this podcast, never realized up until that point, uh, realized is not the right word, uh, because it's not something that came to me. I went and looked and researched. Roberto Clemente made his debut April 17th, 1955. And I said, interesting. My birthday, the year my dad was born. That's his, kind of his shoeless Joe Jackson, his hero. And uh, Field of Dreams is one of those things. I put the, the soundtrack on my phone because that's a, you know, it's a reminder of where I used to watch that movie as a child with, with my father at family events. I watched it at the beach with all the, the guys on the fishing trip. And those things just, they carry um, these lessons of, of gratitude, these reminders of humility, um, throughout our lives, and it's it's very interesting, you know, that my dad was a fan of these guys with these causes, and then in your community, you maybe have something of that nature. You've given to a cause. You've coached a baseball team, which my dad coached baseball. He coached soccer. He was there for all of our sports, no matter what we played, if I wrestled or basketball, whatever it was. Now, the giving part, look, I'm not here to put everybody's business out there, but I'm, I'm going to say a few things because he's, he's my dad. Um, they let you give platelets a certain number of times a year because of how it affects your body and the iron levels. And I'm, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I know my, you know, I've, I've, Heard him tell me, <laughs> I already maxed out my platelets for the year. <laughs> Going to give platelets. He calls it his movie day. That is not a fun process to go sit at the American Red Cross and give platelets and give blood. Uh, almost every Sunday, I think he does. And that's just, <laughs> it's not for money, right? Young kids, they go, how much money can I make from giving away plasma? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Oh. The, the young girl that I was uh, in a relationship with before, you know, to make ends meet. I went, you look into plasma. Can you look into plasma? I was like, look, in, look into plasma? Oh, just get a job waiting tables. <sighs> you want to give plasma, do it for a good cause. and Don't expect money back for it. You know, when we were meeting at the church once a month for the United Methodist Men. It was a lot of, we're going to give money, we're going to go on a building team, we're going to do Carolina Cross Connection as an organization where we would get together and pile into vans and go to camp for a week and uh, give back, more or less, to the people in those communities. And those were usually more like, for visual purposes, the wrong-turn movies, desolate sort of deliverance kind of areas yes uh nothing like those horror films ever happened but nonetheless is you know the boondocks uh not the boondock saints uh, boonies um but no i just 
I've always enjoyed uh, being able to do that. It's like you're, you know, you're doing something great for the people who are so thankful for it too. You know, as I got older and I listened more to the music that my parents listened to and how it influences me. Um, a lot of, you know, James Taylor does a lot of got songs about Martin Luther King and, and things of segregation and things of that nature that are addressed in this very spiritual kind of way. And I've always, you know, thought about that. You know, one of the favorite things that I ever got given when I was younger, three things that I got for my 18th, the year I turned 18, and I I was able to hold on to two. I'm not, I never have been able to locate the third, which was my very, very, very favorite item. My mother gave me a lithograph. They had this lithograph at the mall of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, side by side. So she, she had one of those poster frames to put it in. So, you know, not an expensive um, casing for it or anything. I still have it sitting here next to my desk. And that's been 21 years ago. The other thing I got was my dad gave me a glider rocker. I don't know where he got it from. I've looked them up since then. It's not, you know, an overly expensive item. But I left it with my son uh, after my divorce, and, and he enjoyed it until he he wore that thing out. Um, <laughs> and the the favorite thing that I have, I always hoped it's out there somewhere. It's in a box. It's in a bin. My dad wrote me this um, three-page letter, um, you know, when I turned 18. So that meant more to me than anything. Um but no, I just, I think those are the measures of of where you come from and what you bring to the world and what you offer. So somebody recently got into an argument with me. So I'll transition this over here. Our new McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets are just the right amount of spicy. A small to medium Sprite kind of spicy. Uh, let's get a McFlurry after this kind of spicy. But if you get the mighty hot sauce, it's a napkins up for foreheads now kind of spicy. Uh, this came from McDonald's kind of spicy? Because our spicy chicken McNuggets breaded in tempura and made with cayenne are just the right amount of spicy. Unless you remember what I said about the sauce. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Somebody recently got into an argument with me about how the place that I'm in and the place that they're in and it was about the the girl I used to date and this this young man sort of got into it with me he says you know I'm 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 better than you and I'm xyz and I I just thought to myself you know I I think that's up to the eye of the beholder I'm a math and science guy remember folks math and science guy what do you I would look at it as I've had many arguments. I say, what are you basing this argument on? Better in what way? Are we going by IQ? Are we going by test scores? Are we going by income, equity, credit scores? If the house catches on fire, I can grab everybody and carry them out. Right? The girl I was dating had a five-year-old, and we had a 60-pound dog. I could carry them all out at one time. No problem. Not going to happen. I outweigh this young man... At least 80 pounds. You know, the idea that things that the athletic commission of any state would not sanction is what he was trying to throw it in front of me. You know, oh, you want to go at it? You was a big time wrestler. 
<laughs> I said, look. I said, you're, you're close to 50 years old. Arthritis has already gotten the best of you. Degenerative things have happened to your back, to your knees. Like, what happens between you and I would be beyond rehabilitation. And I'm not saying medical science is not a great thing, but I'm, I've am i never been a person to just for striking. It's always been, let's grab somebody's fingers and let's bend the fingernail back to the wrist. Let's make them touch. Fold it like a fucking George Foreman grill. Just, you know, that's what you do. How do you figure out if you're better than somebody? Is it based on your resume? Is it because I have job security or retirement or because I contribute to Social Security? Is it now, is the opposite true? Is it because you defraud the county of child care services, of Social Security, of food and nutrition stamps? Does that make you worse? Um, your daughter's school bill is up and needs to be paid. It's going to be delinquent. I pay it. Does that mean I'm more important than you are? Does it make me better than you? I, you know, I think if I go to buy a gift at a retail outlet and I go up there and I give them my Discover card and maybe I get cash back, maybe I don't, and I pay my Discover card bill, that's where I'm at. And if you go up to the Walmart self-checkout and take advantage of the nobody-looking circumstances and steal things, I don't know, maybe that makes you a better... Thief, maybe your budget's better mind. Maybe you're just more frugal than I am, even though you're committing a crime to do that. I don't know. I can get any girl. Well, the problem here is one of us can pick the other person up and run laps around any building there is. The other one cannot. One of us can slow dance with their woman, pick her up, carrier across a threshold or anywhere else in the world the other person cannot and if you've had an opportunity over the course of 50 years to have a better resume have a better job build a better physique accomplish things what do you got to show for it what's your bloodline what's your lineage now to me people have argued about sexuality and lbgtq rstu this whatever right and i just look at it and say my kids don't have to fight the next generation. I mean, now that's, it's a facetious thing to say, but it's true for people who don't procreate, they don't have a next generation to carry on anything. Now you can adopt or you can, you know, in vitro, or you can do some hybrid version of what would be a procreative male-female relationship, but you don't truly have you know, a legacy for both of you that lives on. It can, it will not be a biological child from both people, if one of those people. Now, the other thing is, if you have a daughter, your name doesn't live on. That's just how it is. I have a daughter, but I have sons. I have the oldest grandson in, uh, in a very large family. Both of them named after paternal and maternal uh, grandparents, um, and they'll have their own kids one day, and they'll carry my name somewhere else. And Michael Craver was the name that we 
you know, back from 1777, came over from Holland, um, settling here. And I'm proud of that. Does that make me better? I don't know. But in all the ways that someone else might think vanity or looks or, I don't know. What do you want me to say? I carry plastic around. Maybe you carry your wallet on a chain. Maybe you need a lot of wristbands and accessories and frills and decorative things to try to boost what's not already there naturally. I go walking, shoes, shorts, no shirt. I wave to everybody. I give them the rock and roll sign, you know, the, the Texas Longhorn or the NC State thing, the two fingers, wolf pack, whatever, right? Sometimes I just point at the car, woo, that's me, that's you, that, that's what's up. And sometimes I give them the, the five fingers, I just extend all five fingers out in different directions. Hey, just kind of get their attention. And every now and then I'm somewhat facetious and throw the hand up almost like I'm uh, reliving historical events from the 1940s. I just, hey, and then pull the hand back down. Hey, that's not right. That's not how we salute each other in North Carolina. My grandfather would be very disappointed in this. He fought the Germans. Um, but I just, I, I, don't, I don't know that any of those things makes you better. If what you're basing your sense of pride or your self-worth on is other people's opinion. Like, I'll tell you what. You put my picture in front of everybody and see what they think. What the fuck? I'm the wrong guy to ask that to. If you ain't talking about me, I ain't listening. And quite frankly, the first step in any process is to give a fuck. And I, the, you know, and I, as people disagree with me, and I start thinking to myself, these are the processes we go by. This is how we measure things. If you're at work, and this is how we do the evaluation, are you better? Than your coworker. Well, what's the evaluation say? What are the results? What's the longevity? What you know? What do you bring into the table? And then what's the future of that? And I tried uh, many times to say to this young man, look, in 2021 we're here, in 2031 we're here, in 2041 we're there. And I don't like. Not only today are things not equivalent. I don't see them that way. As time goes on, like. It gets ugly, man. It gets real ugly. And I just... If you're a man out there and you think you're bringing it to the ladies, I'm going to give them the D. Give well, Dignity, because if you don't have dignity, you can't give it away. If you're a thief or a liar or a substance abuser and you've got these other issues with, you know, maybe even the mother of your child thinks you might have touched her and has to go runner to the doctor and she hadn't been touched right her hymen's still in place then maybe maybe dignity is not your thing just just a hypothetical thought that's all so it's like this um like this idea that i had I think when you're comparing things, you want to say whose business is out there, you know, who's the best, who's better. Is it LeBron? Is it Michael? Is it Kobe? There's a lot of folks who they box things into very small areas and they try to argue out of those small areas. This person is famous based on what? What do they bring to the table? 
I didn't do anything for me. The original concept of this podcast was escaping vanity. If your idea is I'm going to have some sort of disagreement based on public opinion or approval or some basically immeasurable criteria, I know that's when I'm going to start narrowing it down into different areas. I'm going to say, look, here's one, two, three, four. Let, here are all the ways that we can start measuring this. And we can put them together, and we can figure out a formula for which one means more and so forth. But we're going to recognize each one of these things. That's how we're going to make our determination, based on criteria, not based on a dream and a fart in the wind. I mean, it's just not, this is not how it is. I think that the quote that I came, I just wrote down, I said, look, narrow minds have trouble in open spaces. And they do. They're, you know, horses with blinders on. They're, they're folks who, you know, as I've started to be single and talk and have people say, I'll, I'll listen to your show. I really like such and such. I appreciate it. Anytime you're spending your time on me, I appreciate it. I do. I'm, I'm quite thankful. Um, you're acknowledging me in a way that some of the most important people in my life have not acknowledged me. And yet, maybe I think that makes you better than them. Could be. I even wrote down all these interesting little tidbits here. Like... Um, not working on your problems is like shapewear. Well, that's true. <laughs> There's a lot of people from even hundreds of years ago who'd put on a corset and <laughs> lace it up and pull it in tight, you know. And they're they're doing the essentially the same thing that you do when you pack a closet full of stuff and and shove the door uh, closed. It's almost warping the door. There's so much stuff in the closet. What's the old uh, Daffy Duck is going after the lamp with Bugs Bunny, and he's mine, mine, mine. <laughs> he's trying to shove him back in the lamp, or people trying to put somebody behind a door, and you know, I just it's it's cartoonish. It is because uh, let's say you wear leggings all your life. Now. Where's that going to get you if you're wearing leggings all your life? Will it bring certain shapes about? Well, I mean, I suppose so, but it's no different than taking ice cream and putting it in a cone. It doesn't conform to the cone. I mean, as time goes on, it just melts and comes out of the cone or it saturates the cone. It just ruins the environment. I mean, your legs will... Oh, oh. Wearing leggings. No, you're not wearing leggings that are conforming to your leg. You're not wearing, you know, shapewear is shapewear. It's to give you a shape. It's stitched a certain way for you to pull it on a certain way and to manipulate whatever might be inside of your uh, skin a certain way. And that's fine. It really is. But um, I think, for me, I just look at it and say, man, I just... You ever seen a guy who's posing and he puts his arm up, he flexes his bicep like this, and he takes the other hand, puts it underneath the bicep, and pushes the bicep up with his thumb? Oh, yeah, bigger biceps. It's a lie. It always was a lie. 
girls wearing around all this nonsense. And then I think Red Fox has the old bit that says, you know, she took off her wig and took off her corset and took off her girdle and took off everything and, and threw it in the, the chair. And she jumped into bed and he jumped on the chair. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fake. Everything about you is fake hair, fake eyelashes, fake nails. You know, your face is painted on. What is that? It's a Halloween outfit. Is it? If you're spending as much time as you could be at the local community theater in, at a movie set or otherwise in a makeup chair, you're playing a character. This would be one of those Steven Crowder kind of moments. Change my mind. You're playing a character. Yeah, you are. What you want me to tell you? I think the old quote that I said is that makeup is bulimia for your skin. You put all that on and then you take it off at night. Imagine that. Wasting all of that. You have nothing to show for it the next day. All that high dollar stuff is gone. You've got all these photo filters and everything else on your phone now. What the hell is the purpose of wearing the makeup? Just take your photos and edit them. Right? Well, no, because... What, are you lying to the people around you? You don't really look like that. What would be the difference in the guy who does the blackface? Well, that's ridiculous. Is it? He's just a different shade than you are. He's doing the same thing. Football players put that nonsense underneath their eyes because they want you to fear them. And then there's some girls who take a Sharpie and paint on their eyebrows. Oh, that's crazy. Well, is it? Now imagine you get your eyebrows tattooed and you get chemotherapy or something later in your life. You look kind of funny with them tattooed on eyebrows and you don't have any actual hair. Meet Scrub Daddy. He's the perfect partner for all of your cleaning needs. Scrub Daddy's flex texture changes based on the temperature of your water. In cold water, he's firm for tough scrubbing. In warm water, he's soft and more absorbent. Scrub Daddy delivers a scratch-free clean on even the most delicate surfaces in and around your home. Scrub Daddy's face is ergonomic and fully functional. His eyes allow you to reach the sides and bottom of containers at the same time. His smile quickly cleans both sides of your utensils. Plus, Scrub Daddy rinses free of debris, resists odors for up to eight weeks, and is top-rack dishwasher safe. Discover for yourself why Scrub Daddy is America's favorite sponge. He used to have these commercials, um, these infomercials at night, more or less, where they spray painted. They did it spray paint. It was like this textured. You know how popcorn ceiling works in a house? Basically, spray painting that onto a guy's head in the male pattern bald spots. And there's a clip from Lewis Black that I'm going to insert here. Now, as it gets colder, you're going to probably start thinking about a vacation. And if you're thinking about uh, Miami Beach, forget it. It's a hole. <laughs> It is. It looks good on television, but everything looks good on television. They had those guys a few years ago who were spray-painting hair on their head. What the f*** was that about? How could that be on TV more than once? How? There's an FCC. They should have seen that. No. You see, they, they don't allow children to see a vagina on television or a penis, but you can show a guy spray-painting hair on his head? That's pretty damaging, isn't it? 
I mean, we may not be able to agree on much as a culture, but I think we know if somebody spray painting hair on their head, they're psychotic. You can spray paint Pam on your head and paste feathers. And then you might be at least sort of in reality. So yeah, they were spray painting hair on their head. And that's just how it was. And so when you look at it and go, man, that's crazy. Okay, well, what's the difference in them doing that and somebody else thickening some other part of their face? If a guy spray painted in his beard to be thicker, we'd make fun of him. If he put it on with a Sharpie or magic marker, we'd make fun of him. If he tattooed on his beard, he wouldn't be a real man now, would he? Now, suppose that we tattoo on your eyebrows. You see how I frame things, how I build it up in like eight ways. It's goddamn ridiculous. And then when I say the ninth one, you're like, oh, no, there's there's an there's an there's an exception. Right. No, there's not. Besides, if you're running around paying somebody several hundred dollars to tattoo a very small part of your face, I want to make very clear that you can go to a tattoo shop and get a, a pretty large piece of art colored in and so forth. For that, for that price, he's really getting ripped off. Um, I just there's so many things about the way that people think this is better than that, and I just cannot, for the life of me, let some of these things go unsaid. I mean, you. You paint your fingernails, right? Oh, yeah. You pedicure, manicure. Well, you paint your dog's fingernails. Do you paint the tusks on your pet elephant? You see Joe uh, Exotic down there painting the tiger's claws? Well, no, that's different. And uh, what are you talking about? Fingernails. The claws. They're designed for scraping things, tearing things. It's, it's, it's a piece of evolution. That's why you open the Coke can with your fingernail. This ain't no secret. You're over there painting them. Yeah, but, uh, is it? What's different? Nothing. You got your bird over there in the cage? You gonna paint his talons? I mean, maybe. And then you wonder why they're chipped. Can you imagine the guy goes down to the job site, he paints the shovel of his backhoe, digs it into the ground, and then some of the paint comes off of it. It looks imperfect. Hey, man, what happened to my paint job? It's a digging tool. You see the teeth on that backhoe? You know, like fingernails. Yeah, that's what it's for. And it's going to come into conflict with things, which means it's going to chip the paint. I mean, this ain't no secret. Could you paint the forks on a forklift and then expect them to be shiny and perfect throughout use? No! What is, what is wrong with these folks? I like getting my nails done because, uh, yeah, here, let's paint your nails. We're going to sharpie in your eyebrows. We're going to put some foundation and this and concealer and setting powder and I, don't, I can't keep up with all that shit. I want you to bear in mind that, and this is a real thing that you should consider, whether or not Michelangelo had more colors on his palette to paint the Sistine Chapel or you got more makeup colors in your table. Think about it. 
If you got more colors in there than you have colors in throughout your home and things like that, maybe you've got an identity crisis. Who the fuck are you? What color are you? Well, I'm just trying to put my best face. You're, it's not your face. You're buying somebody else's product and putting it on. I don't see any difference between what you're doing and what Charles Hewitt is doing in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure, he cut somebody else's real face off and stitched it to his you know, leather-bound clasp and tied it on tight. And he ran around and he was Leatherface. And why did he do that? Because he had some kind of skin disease, the way I understand it. Based off of, uh, you know, whatever legend. But he needed that for cosmetic purposes. There's people who have their teeth knocked out and then they got a fake tooth. I don't know. I don't have a fake front tooth. Does that make me better than you? Mm. But I mean, at the end of the day, should that person, you know, is that a fake tooth? Well, it's a functional piece of their body, right? They need the tooth to chew or whatever and maybe they make it cosmetically more appealing. But it's a tool. It is. So, I don't know what tool you're going to tell me the blush is that's going on to your face, but I am more apt and all ears than I've ever been before to hear this argument. Some people do things for a religious um, and, a, and otherwise spiritual and traditional and cultural reasons. You've seen the people with the ruby on their head if they're, you know, from the, the Far East or otherwise. And that's life and that's history. And those things have their own backstories, right? But this idea that you just... If you run around with shapewear to reshape your entire body, you know, like a... Eddie Murphy's wearing in The Nutty Professor. He's wearing a fat suit to be Professor Clump. You're wearing leggings to look like you're more athletic. Eh. Eh. Well, Robin Williams runs around and he's Miss Doubtfire. He puts on makeup, he puts on a wig, he puts on a body shapewear. What's the difference between Miss Doubtfire and you? A couple items? Think about it. It's not that much different. Now, you can get away with it. You can live with it. That's that's up to you. But I'm just, from the outside in, think about what that means to your sense of self, your sense of pride. Because I just, I never really saw the need for all that stuff. It's different as far as I'm concerned, looking at it from like a funeral director's perspective. They embalm the body. They have to put their best face on, right? Because in death, you know, they're trying to make them look a little more, you know, peaceful, lifelike, etc. Last chance before they close the casket. Okay. A little different. But if you got to get dressed up like that to run out to the Hobby Lobby, I don't know what that means. Maybe you're dead already. Hmm. So, I don't know. I figure I can let that kind of stuff go. I've I've been able to forgive somebody for, uh, basically forgive somebody for murder before, so uh, I figure I can I can let some makeup go. Um, it, is, it is what it is. Um, 
what 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 few things I thought I would throw into the last half of the episode or the last part of the episode because we're as I'm recording this it's at 37 minutes there'll be a, a few a few audio changes commercials maybe a few clips we put in up to this point right enjoy the show but I did want to cover a few things as far as the, I don't know, how I'm reapproaching being uh, single and how I hold uh, different people uh, crazy accountable. Folks that were around me pushed a lot of buttons about, oh, you should, you know, you need therapy this. And you should be honest. And you should, I said, okay. So what you want, what you can get. So... <laughs> Now I feel like that's it took me this long to do it, right? That's fine. But I I now set that as the standard for everybody else too. Don't try to sit there and act like you're you're too good for me. If I'm honest and you can't be honest. I'm you're better than I am, are you? Well, one of us can figure out the instructions to your child's kindergarten homework assignment the other one can't does that make you better does that make me better can you even judge it that way no but i know this being uh, truthful and and putting the details on the table for consideration uh that, that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable we'll put it that way it that way they don't think about the, the you know as i said the narrow minds have trouble with wide open spaces you start considering all the factors that are out there it can start to get ugly you might look good in a certain light once that sun gets overhead mm, mm -mm -mm. you might think you look good in the dark with a filter Whatever it might be. Let's do it a little differently. Let's do it wide open spaces. 360 degree view. Raw. Transparent. Let's be it that way. Right? No makeup. Take the gloves off. The 200th anniversary birthday gala has been indefinitely postponed. We simply cannot guarantee public safety. Joker here. Got interference. Call the OB unit, will you? Now, you Come fellas on. have said some pretty mean things, some of which were true. Under that fiend, Boss Grissom, he was a thief and a terrorist. On the other hand, he had a tremendous singing voice. He's dead now, and he's left me in charge. Now, I can be theatrical and maybe even a little rough. But one thing I am not is a killer. I am an artist. I love a good party. So, truce. Commence au festival. And I've got a surprise for Gotham City. At midnight, I will dump 20 million in cash on the crowd. Don't worry about me, I've got enough. We are not prepared to discuss any deals. <laughs> you heard it, folks, 20 million. 
and there will be entertainment. The big dukeroo. With me in one corner and in the other corner, the man who has brought real terror to Gotham City, Batman. Can you hear me? Just the two of us, mano e mano. I have taken off my makeup. Let's see if you can take off yours. Isn't that what the Joker says? I've taken off my makeup. You know, that's just, it is what it is. And um, I hold people to a different standard now that I'm this very, you know, ask me anything you want kind of kind of deal. What do you want? You know, it, how do I approach uh, dating? Uh, I here, I'll tell you what. I'll I will pull up what my one of my uh, dating profiles had said and read it to you here as I scratch my beard. Established a corporate professional with rural roots. There are a few things I fear and even less possibilities that I dismiss. Away from work, I aspire to be a man my children are proud of. That and recording my show for iTunes, Spotify, and every streaming platform. I was raised by a carpenter and a nurse, so my skills range from practical to survival. I'm always in search of adventure, with the pursuit of love being the greatest. Seeking someone with healthy energy and outstanding values. Another part of it says, uh, my personality type is, my answer, dynamic. I believe you should talk about what you know about. Meaning, knowing when to listen and to learn. I get along well with people who... Share things in common with me. Chemistry is the main ingredient. The best dating advice I can give you... Dot, dot, dot. Never be afraid to ask. Start with necessary deal breakers and work backwards. Approach each possibility with valiancy. My favorite time of the day is... Dot, dot, dot. The open afternoon... When temperatures change and colors blend. What do you think? It's pretty, pretty slick, right? No leggings here. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm artistic with my words. What do you want me to say? I've, I've befuddled myself. Can't even talk smoothly. I'm, I'm so impressed with my language. Look, I... I don't know if any of those things make me stand out or make me better than, you know, any other option. Maybe you'd rather have somebody who can't grow any hair or 50 years old or something like that. Um, Be strange, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be strange? People settle for less, you know. I said, um, I tell you what, I put a list of qualities on one of my dating profiles. Um... I'll read those to you. You tell me if if this is like an appealing uh, ploy that I've made here. Says, pros, 
excellent judgment, great listener, blue eyes, throw you over my shoulder and take you up the stairs, great cook, kitchen slow dance, the ability to carry a child on my shoulders walking several miles for family outings, job security, the strength to lift you up and deliver a safe rescue from any of life's close calls. Did I mention back rubs? Transparent honesty? Technology is my friend. I was raised by a carpenter. Consider that for being handy around the house. My mother was a nurse, meaning I'm equally compassionate and my own self-care. Yes, this skill set extends into life's variety of other public and private relationship scenarios. Cons. Mm. Knowing my worth. Working Tuesday to Saturday, 8 to 5, maybe. Prefer you have your own goals. I'm a math and science oriented, so I have a strong connection to plausibility. My sense of humor is exploratory, meaning I will try to find where the line is and then pull back. I speak openly and expect accountability. Being truthful is important to me. Being acknowledged is a necessity for my surroundings, meaning say hello, wave to people, smile at the kids, spread good energy. I, you know, I, I thought that was a very good way to format um, what I wanted to say conversation starters share with me ask me anything debate something with me i don't just want to see the packaging i'd like to know how you perform can you walk talk hike handle your own anger or stress explore with me i am wide open to how that possibility takes place pretty simple right i think that People at large, maybe they like to know what they're getting themselves into. Maybe they still like a little mystery, a little surprise. But by and large, um, I think that we all just want to be happy. We want to feel, and people throw the word respect around a lot. But at the end of the day, if... Um, Someone's trying to talk to you, or someone's trying to cry out to you, or someone has a need for help, begging for help. I don't think if you if you lack an answer for them, if you lack the ability to help other people, you lack respect for yourself. You don't have the ability in and of yourself to be helpful or any kind of member to the society around you. You need to really... Do a lot of self-care to get yourself in order. If you don't bring the ability to help others as a basic function, you don't bring anything to the table. You don't. You may have ways that you think that you can pick apart other people, that you can make fun of things, you can demean them. Oh, you know what? I can say X, Y, Z about another person. Well, what does that mean for you? 
does that make your skill set greater? No. Not one bit. If two people are competing for a job, they're both at the workplace, and all you can do is go over and badmouth and try to gossip, that doesn't overqualify you. It doesn't change your resume whatsoever. It just doesn't. If you can't see that, you're blind. You know, I, I went through a very difficult stage where the the girl that I had been been seeing when I split up, um, I have a big, at least for me, it's like accountability and responsibility and all those wonderful things about trying to, you know, be a good neighbor, be a good best friend, and and somebody you love, right? So you say, hey, are you doing all right? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, how are you holding up? I think anytime something happens between two people. Um, to the negative, the least you could do is is try to, you know, communicate, try to heal, try to be um, coming out of it on the other side with as much of your your wits, your dignity, with far more guidance and probably a few learning lessons intact that you're going to take from that. You're going to say, oh, man, you know where it went wrong? Yeah, that's where it went wrong. All right, there's something for you to work on. Hey, you know, there's some things I never told you. I have, you know, more or less like an exit interview. How are you doing? You know, what do you got to say that you never said? What do you think I ought to do? What would you have done in this situation? And I, I think those are the probably the most important conversations you may ever have with somebody quite frankly. I mean, you can share your dreams and everything else, but once, like, there's actual historical events where something goes, you know, awry, and then you have to make future plans based off of um, a catastrophe, based off a tragedy, uh, those are the most probably important talks that you're going to have with yourself and with your loved one or whomever the other person is to your relationship, whether it's a, a failed business adventure or otherwise, you have the opportunity to communicate, share, grow from it. Have the opportunity. But if you're not strong enough to take advantage of that opportunity, if you're weak and you're desolate and you got to sit back and sit in silence and you know pretend that the world doesn't exist, pretend you never heard anything, Oh, no, no, I don't know. I don't know you. You're a stranger. I'm, in my mind, what? In your mind, are you too good to talk to the other person? I don't think so. They're too good for you. They're vulnerable. They're reaching out to you. You're not reaching out to them. They're putting in the effort. You're not putting in the effort. Well, I'm going to tell you who's better. It's the guy who's putting in more effort. Well, what if it's misguided effort? I wish I had your passion, Ray. Misdirected though it might be, it is still a passion. I used to feel that way about things, but... However misguided it may be, it is still effort. I think the, the speech by James Earl Jones is about misguided passion there at, at, uh, in Field of Dreams. And... I just, I can't for the life of me think how I could have ever experienced uh, 
any great thing in my life where I didn't absolutely lose the other person that I wouldn't welcome the chance to talk to them. It's just me. That's me. That may not be you. But if if you have a relationship where you've gone through infidelity and abortion, a lot of tragedy, right? If it's if it's trust issues, if it's mental health issues, if it's body image issues, that's there's a lot, a lot on the table that probably in an extreme way needs to be said more than the average person I mean that's on up there because that is an extra layer of weight upon an extra layer of weight upon and look you got somebody with uh, my hobbies include writing a lot of reflecting this recording so I process things in a way that other folks, they don't have a way to process those things. They carry them around, and it's it's going to be in there. And you may you know, think that you, oh, I'll just block it out of my mind. No, you won't. Carry that around the rest of your life. Your goals of losing weight or ambitions for business or otherwise, all of those things will fall under that dark cloud of what you, that stress and that thing that you've never let go of, you've never processed, you never got with the other person, got together, you share, you heal, you unload, you forgive, and you move on. And if you've not gotten with someone who is walking the earth with us, right, not like my daughter who's gone, or my son Brayden who's gone, I've got you know more than one child who didn't make it, one naturally and one through some chemical process. Um, I will probably never not think about, you know, what they might have grown up like and where they're missing. Like the Back to the Future movies, right? They, they're not in the picture. They're, they've faded out. But what would it have been like had they been able to join us here today? That's a rough thing for for people to to process. I don't know what it's like from the the other side of the tracks. You know, I'm I'm the father of a two person tragedy, right? And. I have no idea what the, the female side of that is. As a matter of fact, my my ex wife, I don't, I've never really had a, an extended conversation with her about a, a stillborn. I can't imagine she really wants to talk about it, but I also think it probably weighs heavily on her. So I don't know that talking about it wouldn't do a, a hell of a lot of good. I think for people who have uh, a certain level of embarrassment or shame or they show their ass or something like that, you're in a relationship and you wig out on somebody. You break up with somebody, uh, perhaps unjustly or just suddenly. Or it, It's kind of hard to hang your hat on that and look them in the eye and go, oh, look what I did. That What? Was that the grand finale? You spent X number of days, weeks, years with somebody? 
and like the end of it is just this little this little dud I don't think so I think I think the person who orchestrated that did not do a, a very good job of putting like you know a good finishing move on it a good climax to the story that that if this was a TV movie it would suck dick it just would this wouldn't make the Lifetime Network. What, you got mad one day and just didn't do it anymore? Yeah. Uh, wait a minute, what about all these other things you have going for you? You're going to buy a home, you're going to do this, you're going to have a dream, you're going to have a job, you're going to have a business with this person, and, and uh, rentals. And Nope, nope. Got upset one day, showed my ass. <clears throat> Can't look him in the eye anymore. <laughs> That's pretty cataclysmic, isn't it? It's pretty dark. I wouldn't want to have to carry that around. I mean, at the end of the day, what, is, what does that do to your psyche to think? How, uh, oh, oh, uh, I think that probably wasn't the right decision. Yeah, probably not. I probably would have wanted something a lot heavier on the other side of the scale to make that kind of decision. You do something on a whim like that, and then you fake it till you make it later, right? Because now you've you've done this thing that is supposed to be a that's my final you know you got the stamp of parole or approval or whatever right now you're gonna try to run with that the other person says nah I don't think so I know the truth of what happened you may not have gotten along but everything was there where you were like the most promising um baseball draft pick or you know the the hot shot rookie lawyer or whatever right and you, you trip going down the stairs and it's a tragedy it's just a tragedy it's like you never really took your shot you fucking threw in the towel you quit when it going got tough you you were a coward you were a pussy you know you broke rule number two what is it anthony that's right. Don't be a bitch. And, and so if, if that's where you ended up, you're the bitch. I think I was you know, the three rules, right? First step in any process is that give a fuck. Second one is don't be a bitch. And number three is stop being a motherfucker. Well, on the way to number three, still being a motherfucker. So I just I can't for the life of me. If you if you have one of these very volatile situations, or you think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of unhappy, but I, but if you can't see the forest for the trees, maybe you don't. Maybe you're destined to settle for less. Maybe you're gonna be like uh, what's her name, Anna Nicole Smith, that goes and she, she you you're gonna end up with the old man and the grandpa and the. Well, this is a lot easier, is it? Because you can control the situation and Father Time will win that war against your loved one. So then you're left all alone again. So ultimately what you're trying to do is set up another situation that turns into another tragedy because you are a self-deprecating, self-hating person. And so you take yourself from a promising situation and you fucking throw it all away. And you become a person who is now on a collision course with future failures. On purpose. Did it on purpose. And probably very consciously did it on purpose. Because pressure and compromise and being able to say that you're wrong or, hey man, we got to work together and I'll work on myself. And I, 
If you're not willing to do all those things, then quitting is for you. Go be with somebody who's not going to work on themselves. Then you can just fucking run into each other like goats locking horns. Smash your heads together like fucking Woody Woodpecker. You can fight like dogs and, of course, in terms of prosperity and wealth and owning property and passing on your bloodlines and your legacy and having your name carried on. You can forget all that shit. This, this, the things that history is written on, you can forget all that shit. You will most definitely be forgotten. Ironically enough, the people who do not acknowledge other people in my situation will ultimately be the ones who will never be remembered. Now, in that sum, you're the one who doesn't do the acknowledging, but you don't get remembered. Mm. I mean, I always appreciate people spending their time on me. So, I will tell you that I, I, I appreciate you listening to my more or less extended episode. I usually don't go over an hour, but a few things to, to get off my chest here and there. Um, I just, I try not to make everything about me, but this one needed to be a little bit more about me. This forum, this podcast, whether you're listening to it for entertainment or maybe you get something out of it, a little bit of therapy. Um, I started this show because I was writing and I wanted to be able to explain the writing, read the writing. That would make another episode and that would discuss things and that would give me more stuff to write about and it would fuel the fire and create a circle of progress and content. Okay. Well, I, now I more or less write the cliff notes and talk about everything. Now, I still write a few things, but I like I was. I just, in the last um, several weeks, there's been certain personal things that have changed. And I think when you stop being able to count on people... I don't know if you ever could count on people when you, when you ultimately like see it as a I think they call it terminal velocity when you're falling free falling out of the sky um, and then there's other terms like point of no return and all that kind of stuff but I, I think if you have the kind of hopeless romantic ideas that I have where wait a minute now I I know what the odds are of this situation getting resolved but fuck that you know what mine is right my name is Michael fucking Craver you know I used to ride down the road and some song would come on with an extended intro and so uh this is how it goes I'll embarrass myself here and do this for you but some song will be playing and um, I used to, I always said I was um, hailing from Utopia because I called myself the Savior. And I thought that was an interesting paradox, right? But my uh, stepmother is from, uh, or her family is, anyway, is in Trinity, North Carolina. And I was like, Savior, Trinity, yes! And so then it became like this... Okay, let me see if I can think of it in my head and say it smoothly, because I haven't done it in years, probably. Uh, something to the tune of, Weighing in at 225 pounds, 
hailing from Utopia, making his way from Trinity, North Carolina, he is Michael F***ing Craver. Something of that nature, you know. And so I, <laughs> here I am coming to the ring, Michael F***ing Craver. You know, and, and I still, you know, there's there's times where I'm I'm out walking, I'm out running, and I'm like, you know, I did that today. My leg was cramping a quarter mile, probably sooner than that, into my walk. And I knew I was going two and a half miles. And you know what? F*** that leg. I would have looked like Long John Silver. Is that Long John Silver? Pale peg leg there where Jim Hawkins and Treasure Island and all that stuff? That's right. Hmm. It is what it is, folks. You know, sometimes you got to be... The big dog, as, as some people call it, or the head honcho, or, you know, maybe you have a set of initials. But I truly, like, I, I want everybody to be happy. I try to fight against the odds to, like, find a way for it all to work, even if it's at my own personal sacrifice. And so... I'm going to leave it with this. I'm not upset anymore. Um, I don't know how upset I was to begin with because I don't know that the term sociopath or something might not apply in situations like this. But I always wanted to be wrong. I always wanted to be wrong. I looked at all the odds of the situation that I was in previously and said, here's this difference in age, culture, communication, education, like almost every category you could come up with. No way. Puzzle pieces don't fit, man. And yet, a lot of happy times. Strange, right? But when you put all that together and you put that formula together, that math and science formula... It's only going to work out. And yet, it seemed to be working out. Ain't that strange? Now, in my head, I always said, nah, it'll never work. Somebody said, what the, what's the goal you want out of the situation? I said, you know what? We, I have gotten into a situation where I've, I've been in a relationship with somebody who is wanting to be better. Right, and I've given them the opportunity and and a few safety nets and things for them to get better, but they're not sustainable yet. They've not reached a point where, like, if we broke off, they wouldn't perhaps go bankrupt or have to really like rearrange their life and go through a probably a lot of shit. I don't think we ever reached that point where it was like, okay, we split up and everybody's gonna, you know, hold water and they're gonna be just fine. Mm-mm. I know better than that. But I always wanted to be wrong. I wanted to be wrong. So, like, maybe the whole thing would work out. Didn't happen. I wanted to be wrong that, you know, I thought, oh, I've I've seen this person make a budget and business plan. Business plan. I'm a singer, man. You heard of me. Stitch Jones, Earl of Funk, Duke of Cool, Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. Shut your face, hippie. You say hippie, man? Ain't been no hippies running for centuries, man. Been freeze dried or doing hard time. Ain't been. 
uh, old Stitch Jones in Heartbreak Ridge. Ain't, ain't been no hippies around here for centuries. <laughs> he, said, he said, I just, like, business plan. <laughs> Never been no business plan around here. But I, and my financial advice is always, you know, if times are tough, then supply and demand. You've, you've, a discount. Run a discount. I'm not discounting my prices. Well, let me tell you something. A discount, if you, if it's a $300 service that you're doing, you offer to them for $200. What? I'm not working for $200. Well, let me tell you something. There's a big difference between $0 and $200. You got zero, you got nothing. At least if you do it for 200, you got something. You know, yeah, no. Don't damn. I don't want to go down that road. So look, I just, it's one of those things. Like if you got older, you went to business classes, you had a fucking MBA and, and things of this nature. Like these are no brainer situations to put in front of somebody, especially if you've studied anything about running your own operation and these are these are basic principles of business i mean anyway um it's just what it is i mean some people are hard-headed dead i'm not wearing a mask i'm not getting vaccinated fine i'm not procreating i'm not having a son fine your name doesn't live on and that's what it comes down to you don't live on I'm not getting with no goddamn woman. I'm going to drink beer. Be on my own the rest of my life. I'm going to do it my way. All right. Well, you got to show for that. You got family, kids, a legacy, a lineage. No. You got to know that. That's the only thing history can show for you. Are you going to dig up all the beer cans out of the landfill? Yep, this was Uncle Larry. And get the fuck out of here. I'm a proud Indian. What are you doing running around working for Italians? Well, uh, because uh, my ancestors loved making pizza in their teepee. Like, what the f***? <laughs> That's a little inside joke. But look, I just, I can't for the life of me um, not want to pull for, like, the underdog. And that's my thing. When I watched wrestling, it was like, here's Brett the Hitman Hart, and he's facing the bigger guy, but he's got the technical prowess, man. He's going to break it down scientifically. He's going to get his legs. He's going to wrap him up in the sharpshooter, and he's going to win. Now, you may watch Steve Austin. He's going to fight his way out of everything, and The Rock's going to overpower somebody and so forth. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe you're not a wrestling fan, and... You know, you want to see Jordan make the big comeback, or you want to see, you know, the little team, the Mighty Ducks, win over the the Hawks, and that who it was in the Mighty Ducks. And so I just, I think the most important thing to me has always been like, I'd like for everybody to come out with some kind of the word I used earlier, dignity. You can acknowledge each other. You can say, "Hey, we have a history. You ever need anything? Give me a call." Hey, let me, I just thought I'd call you up, see if you're doing okay. But some people, they got that self-pity shit going on, and you can't talk to them. No, no, no. They don't, they don't have real, like, pride. And they can tell you to get lost, but they don't have pride. You got shame. There's a big difference in that. If you show your 
ass and can't apologize to people and you can't come clean. That's shame. That's you being dishonest with yourself. And no matter what face you might try to put on or how much makeup there is or what costume you do, I'm going to do shapewear and leggings and get the fuck out of here, brother. It ain't Halloween. 365 days you are completing my cycle. I used to say that all the time, right? Halloween happened yesterday. You did something silly, you know, maybe a little weak. And I said, oh, oh, God, damn. It's still 365 days until it's time to be a candy ass. What? Because I always equated, you can, that's my word for Halloween, being a candy ass. Well, now look, if you're dressing up like a fool all the time and lying to people about your shape and your color and everything else, my hair's been done, my nails have been done, I'm wearing this. Every day's Halloween. It's Candy ass all year. And let me tell you, there ain't nothing sexy about that. You're just not. What about the Kardashians? <laughs> what about the Kardashians? What about their daddy? Bruce, Caitlin, whatever, you know. Mm. Mm-mm. Tragedy. Strange like that, right? People just, they, they objectify all kinds of things in the world. And um, <clears throat> they mask it up and they, oh, yeah, look at this car. It's got this design and it's got the XYZ. And, yeah, but on the inside, it's fucking garbage. It's going to be recalled. It is what it is. This is Xanax. Yeah. And there's your other Zoloft and all these other fucking, you know, but they're full of all kinds of problems in the long run. Pharmaceutical companies have been sued, and those are the biggest settlements that have ever come. They packaged it up. They sold it to you. They sold you this bill of goods, and the side effects are awful. And the stuff that you do into your body, you're lying to the people around you, you're playing costume store all year. You're not a major motion picture, man. You're in the fucking Truman Show. That's all you're doing. You're in your own Truman Show. You're running around thinking everybody's looking at you, selfie and this and Instagram that and TikToking and storying. Get the fuck out of here. Just using somebody else's products to make your costume, right? Then you use somebody else's music behind your, right? And then you go from there to try to portray some needless situation on the world you know what you really need what do i really need you need these products from herbalife get the fuck out of here i'm gonna eat chicken and rice till i die if we you know these people their their whole life who are never exposed to so many things that we have in america and it's great for them it's great for them they live a more dignified more you know what i would say is a higher quality of life that's good but they're not Americans. They don't got the freedom. And they don't got the side effects and all the shit that comes with this toxic landscape that these b****ers have turned it into. If your idea is that you dress things up, you lie about them, and then think that you're better, well, let's bring it back down to the facts. Let's bring it back down to the essentials. Do you have a sense of helping people? Do you have a sense of community? 
dignity? Are you accountable? Are you telling the truth? If not, you don't even get to have that argument about whether you're better. Not with me. I believe in free speech all day long, but you got to qualify what you want to say. It's And that's not one of those arguments aspire to higher education or something like that. You don't have a doctorate, so I won't talk about it with you. These are just the basic qualifications. Like, this is this is what it is. Just as much as any definition or things that I've talked about in the past. For you want it to be milk, it's got to come from a mammary gland. You want to talk about being better than somebody? Here's the fundamentals on on my side of the fence, on my scale. But if you're going to use words like, you know, for competitive edge and scale things and say, okay, well, old Jimmy over there, he's this good, and old Tommy, he's this good, and all right, well, what makes him that good? What's the qualifications? What are we basing this on? All right, now we can categorize this. Now we can measure things, and now we can tell you, okay, who's truly better based on that criteria? If all you got's a bunch of lies, you know, I love the thing that Dr. Fox said to me. He said, if logic, here, word for word, logic can't take out what it didn't put in to begin with. That's what she said. Anyway, I appreciate you listening to my extended episode. I'm going to wrap this up by venting a little bit, hoping you're getting a little misty-eyed, thinking about some sad things that I've I've processed a lot of those things. Um, it's a shame. I think the Daryl Worley's got the old song, I, I Miss My Friend kind of thing. And, and I do kind of think that it's a shame to not have... Um, this image or this person or this presence that you had in your mind or in your life, whether it's you're missing your grandmother. Man, I wish somebody was like her. I wish I had her around. Okay. Maybe what you're missing is, you know, somebody just treats you like you belong, treats you like a friend. Man, I remember so and so. They, they like me for me, and they didn't care about, right? Not what you could do for them. You weren't using them, and they weren't using you. Hmm. Mm. There's something to be said about having your head held high. Um, I think if if you're walking around and you want to measure whether you're you got your head on straight, you're living a decent life. Um, just like I put criteria in, in, in dating profiles, I would say look at yourself in terms of what you offer now and what you offer in the future. Whether it be that you have healthy communication, that you have humility, that you have dignity, right? That you talk to people, you acknowledge people. Whether it be something fiscal. You got a good credit score? Oh, are you good with money? Oh. You got anything saved? You got security? You got retirement? Hmm. That's important to a lot of people. Oh, no, girls don't care about that. They don't care about security and retirement and having a good job. And, uh, you can have any job and get a girl. And... Let me tell you something. If you can get a girl that will be with you no matter what job you have, that's not necessarily true love. That's f***ing blindness. 
Love is blindness. You know, the old Jack White lyrics. Right. Right. Is what it is. That might not be Jack White. That might be uh, the killers. Anyway, um, it's just one of those things. Like, you... <laughs> There's a scene from Bull Durham, and I'm going to wrap up on this, where Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon are outside of her house. And... Um, Kevin Costner's playing Crash Davis. Old Bull Durham. I fucking love it. And he's leaving because in the beginning of the baseball season, um, Susan Sarandon uh, invites over Tim Robbins' character, uh, Nuke, Evie Lelouch, uh, and, and Kevin Costner's character, um, Crash Davis. And she has them both over, and she's considering both of these guys to be like her boyfriend for the baseball season. And um, Kevin Costner gives his speech, and he leaves. She chases him out the door, and she says, What are you doing? I haven't even decided yet. And Kevin Costner says, Look, (laughs) I'm not interested in a girl who's interested in that boy in there. These are the ground rules. I hook up with one guy a season. Usually takes me a couple weeks to pick the guy. It's kind of my own spring training. And, well, you two are the most promising prospects of the season so far. So I just thought we should kind of get to know each other. Time out. Why do you get to choose? What? Why do you get to choose? I mean, why don't I get to choose? Why doesn't he get to choose? Well, actually, nobody on this planet ever really chooses each other. I mean, it's all a question of quantum physics, molecular attraction, and timing. I mean, there are laws we don't understand that bring us together and tear us apart. I mean, it's like pheromones. You get three ants together, they can't do dick. You get 300 million of them, they can build a cathedral. (laughs) So somebody going to go to bed with somebody or what? Honey, you are a regular nuclear meltdown. You better cool off. <laughs> Wait a minute, where are you going? After 12 years in the minor leagues, I don't try out. Besides, uh, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, but the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. Oh, my. Crash. Hey, Annie, what's all this molecule stuff? Crash. <laughs> Crash, wait. Look, all I want is a date. I'm not going to fall in love with you, Madison. I'm not interested in a woman who's interested in that boy. Good night. I think that's a, that's a, it was a valuable, valuable lesson that I learned a long time ago. If you are interested and you want to be with a, a partner, a lifelong, you know, make a commitment, have children, have a household, that's going to be history and legacy for you. 
that's going to be the person with your in in your family tree, right? You got to look at how they make decisions and how that reflects um, on the way things can and will go in the future. Because if they're blind or they don't have any fucking standards, they just they don't care. They want to be with Father Time and Bald and Grandpa and some guy who looks like a skeleton. I mean, it just is what it is. You you look at it and, and you you look at that person and say, that girl, man. I can't be with a girl who would try to be with a guy like that. That's just, she's, you know, she doesn't have any values. That's what it is. That's what it is. I love uh, the fact that I was able to say all these things. And whether it makes sense to all of you is, as I've said many times, is not the most important thing to me at this point. It's not like the podcast is paying all my bills. So, <laughs> so uh, in the future, maybe uh, I'll, I'll dignify it a little bit more, make it less about me and more about the community. But today was therapy. I appreciate it if you've if you made it this far with me. I feel good about me. I feel good about the future. Um, I don't close doors necessarily on, especially on helping people or acknowledging them or. Um, I think certain things that you experience in life, those are your, like, brothers in arms, like Motorhead and Iron Maiden sing about, you know, guys who've been through war together, that kind of thing. You've been in a relationship and you've been through a war with, with somebody. Um, your comrades, whether you you fought together or against each other or whatever, and you ought, you ought to be able to raise a glass and, and say hello and... You ought to have enough goddamn respect for the other person who went through all that with you to be able to say, hey, another day. Not dead yet. How are you doing? All right. Have a good one, brother. Sister, whatever she might be. That's all it is. It's simple fucking communication, acknowledgement, the the appreciation for life and how precious it is and how short time can be for so many of us. So, thank you. And um, if you don't have it, I'm going to do a shameless plug and ain't got a fucking thing to do with me. Noel Gallagher's Back the Way We Came came out this week. There's a good chance some of you guys, if you're friends of mine, you might... Be getting that as a gift if uh, the holiday comes up, a birthday comes up. I love it. Noel Gallagher's, he's once in a lifetime. Once in a generation. And uh, I'm very, very, very happy with the album. I stayed up last night listening to it. Anyway, it's 2.30 in the morning as I'm ending this. I still have to post-produce it and, and do a few other things. It's Father's Day. And happy Father's Day to uh, to anybody who's out there. If you're listening, and I know a lot of the, the listeners are not necessarily fathers, uh, look, say hello, do something nice, send a message. Hey, happy Father's Day. You see people on the Facebook, on the other places, say happy Father's Day. Just acknowledge them. Be sweet.
That's an interesting thought. I guess I hadn't had until now. I, I to have a child with someone more or less who then had an abortion. It seems awkward for them to tell you Happy Father's Day, um, but it happens. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, I think that in life, um, <laughs> I I used to say it. I'd I'd get ready to clock out, and they'd say, "Oh, you need to get out of here, Mike." I'd clock out, and then it would get really busy. You know, go stay and help us. You know, you told me to clock out. And besides, I believe, that's what I used to say, I, I got ready to say, I believe in karma. That is, and I thought, that's not what I said. Tanya Samuels was her name, was working with me. I said, Tanya, you know why I'm not going to help? Because you guys told me to leave, and now it's busy. And I believe in justice. What? Her eyes got real big, what the f***? And I, I said, I'll stay and help you, shut up. And I would, and I did, because I'm a man of, uh, <clears throat> I gave him the D. I gave Tanya the D. She was 62, and I did it. Right? Right there on the floor, I gave her dignity. I upheld my dignity. I didn't let my fucking teammates or the people I cared about down. I acknowledged them, and I stood right there through the trenches and through the heartache or the hard times with them. Because that's what you fucking do. And if you're not man enough to do any of those things, if you can't, you know, you've you had your whole life to work any kind of job to get a $10 a month Planet Fitness membership, whatever the fuck it might be. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I think if I, I think the fact that I can carry you out of a burning building makes me a better person. I think the fact that I will stay when you will not stay makes me a better person. The fact that I'm willing to sacrifice my uh, sometimes happiness, sometimes energy, other times resources. I mean, they're all really resources. That's why I use the word as as an umbrella. But sacrifice for other people, yeah, that makes me fucking better. I'm willing to give where you won't give. And as a competitive person... Can't do anything more than that. Is what it is. You guys have a great night. Have a great day. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it. And um, I'll talk to you again. I'm going to work on that suspending disbelief uh, series coming up uh, next uh, because I decided that if I wasn't going to be in a relationship and I wasn't carrying on the legacy of my uh, the daughter that I'm missing, um, though I'd... I'd, I'd don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd love to have a partner. Um, while I am not, I will be doing doing the Savior's work. I'll be putting together some um, some series and then recording those um, so there'll be some new episodes. Uh, and quite frankly, I'll be remembered, right? History will they'll have plenty of me, more than you'll want to listen to anyway. And uh, I appreciate it if you take the time to listen. If you don't like it, send me a message. Tell me to get lost or get some new content or stop whining, whatever. I'm, I'm going to get that message from, from some of my boys now. But like, <laughs> I will. But I I just I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you have a good Father's Day. Um, if you're a single mother, 
Have a good Father's Day. Honor thy father, right? And the least you can do is is um, acknowledge um, the people you call daddy. Well, wait a minute. That came out wrong. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I'll talk to y'all again real soon. Folks, it's been our pleasure at Michael L. Craver Presents to bring you this fine podcast. Be sure that you like, you subscribe, you leave a review if you've enjoyed what you had to hear today. You can listen on all your favorite media platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Tell Alexa to play Michael L. Craver Presents. Take care of yourself out there.